listening to Good afternoon, Dooner. Are you there, buddy? Yeah. Hey, what's up, man? I was waiting to hear your lovely voice, my friend. You were dreaming. <laughs> Is that what it was? I got you. Well, I didn't get my I heart kickstarted. I couldn't hear the music, so I didn't get my heart kickstarted. I didn't even know we were starting. I'm glad we're here. I was doing my uh, my thing for you there, so you got the signals. Yeah, I know. Usually I get some I get some sounds in my, my track to get my blood flowing, you know, so I'm just sitting here. I didn't even know we were starting, but it's good to see everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing to see you here. Are we starting? I'm looking for us on LinkedIn. Oh, here we are. Yes, we're on LinkedIn, so if you're following along, comment. If you're on Facebook, follow along, comment, and join us live on the show. Uh, speaking of social media, man, you, uh, you're a big Twitter guy because I feel like this pandemic has really brought uh, the best out in the trolls of Twitter. Yeah, I, I want to be a big Twitter guy. I try, but my problem is I think a really good tweets while I'm driving or something like that or in the shower or something. And, and then when I like have the moment to do it, I just have like Twitter fright, I guess, or something like stage fright. Well, I mean, the, the thing I love about Twitter is where else can someone with 12 followers and an egg for a profile pick engage with billionaire CEOs and, and troll them? Or or if you're in the media, you know, like Ed Ludlow at Bloomberg, you might say something that offends our former guest on here, Trevor Milton, CEO of Nikola, with a headline. Did you did you catch that spat? I did. I actually I, I did read I did read the spat and it was it was kind of funny that he got involved because he didn't really need to. No, he did. Do you do, you do any trolling online? Are you a big fan of that game? I, I was back when I was young and stupid, you know, but, uh, you know, like last week, but oh, <laughs> you've got no, no I, I don't because my nature is like to take the I'll take the opposite side of an argument just to have the argument because it's fun and it doesn't play well on social media. So, no. yeah, well, here you go. This show is brought to you today. Let's get right into it. We'll talk about this Bloomberg story with Craig Fuller, who's sitting right next to you. But this episode is brought to you by Pilot Flying J Axle Fuel Card, which provides the credit you need and fast approvals and money back. There are no transaction fees and no monthly fees. So sign up for yours at AxleFuelCard.com. Axle Fuel Card keeps fleets on a roll, subject to credit approval, terms and conditions may apply. And uh, as I said, dude, is, is Mr. Craig Fuller right next to you, FreightWave CEO and founder? Yeah, he is. He is here. Craig is in studio with us. Hey, guys. He is with hey, us. Dooner. <laughs> What's, What's up, happening? man? You had to be there. You know, I should be wearing my hat. You should on, be wearing uh, your hat. On air. The, huh. the, all of the audio folks, the TV production folks told me to take it off because the shadows. Oh. oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. You could wear it backwards. I could wear it backwards. I got, I got a whole table full That's of okay. samples right I, over I, there. I, 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 I'm, I'm good. <laughs> so I, Craig, I like unstructured hats. By I got way. a fedora in my car. Like unstructured hats. Right. So but Craig, anyways, Craig, on Twitter, something that. that is almost catnip for you. You've got you've got a unicorn freight tech company. You've got Bloomberg involved. You got a you got a feud going on, a Twitter war. What did you make of this whole situation between Bloomberg's journalist Ed Ludlow and Nicholas Trevor Milton that went down a couple of days ago? Well, I, I think it, we have to put context. First of all, it's not – I think it's it's probably not a Twitter war per se, a traditional Twitter war. I mean what you see with Twitter wars is basically they, they start and end on Twitter, right? Um, but what we're talking about here was an article written about uh, the Nikola truck uh, that when the debut of the truck happened in 2016, I think it was, four years ago, That's right. uh, that it was a non-working – uh, vehicle. It was a prototype. And um, that was really the substance of the story. Uh, and really, I think the meat of the story, yeah. you know, to me, it was a non-event. Um, but uh, Trevor Milton, the founder of Nicola, uh, took a lot of offense to it. 
uh, he felt as if it made him look like he was disingenuous and lying. Yeah. And uh, then went on a, on a rant about how he was going to sue Bloomberg and uh, how this uh, was a hack of a reporter and, and all sorts of uh, stuff. So that's where we're at. Um, I think it's a, it's a really sort of sensational story because Nicola, a company that's generated very little revenue, zero, yeah. frankly, they've done it. They've had some other small revenues, maybe merchandise or something. I'm not sure exactly what the couple hundred thousand dollars in revenue, but basically a pre-revenue startup that's valued at over $20 billion. So it, what happens is a lot of this gets a lot of airplay simply because uh, the short sellers and the folks that trade stocks believe or will argue that Nicola is overvalued. Now, I... I am not smart enough to know if Nikola is overvalued or Tesla is overvalued or whatever. And every time that I think I have a, a sense of whether something is over or undervalued, I end up trading opposite and end up losing a lot of money. So I won't, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to judge the valuation, but I, I will I, I'm say with you on there. I'm not going when to you've got that large of a valuation uh, in a zero revenue company or, or slightly revenue, you know, not generating a ton of revenue. Uh, you're going to invite a lot of haters. Uh, they just uh, put out some news. So, yeah, they just put out some news. Yeah. So breaking, they just put out on Twitter. They said factory in Coolidge, Arizona breaks ground July 23rd. The ceremony will be held there to kick off construction of the plant that will build up to 35,000 zero emission semi trucks and create thousands of jobs. What do you make of that? Look, I, I think let's 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 sparse the conversation because we're talking about three different things. One is the haters being generated just because a lot of people are both jealous of of you know the opportunity to to get this company at the value the opportunistic short sellers or people who want to see it go down because that's that's a natural instinct uh when you have people who get you know a degree of jealousy or or feel like it's it's unjustified and then you have some fundamental traders who can look at the numbers or look at the numbers and argue that that's that the second issue is attacking the reporter for a story that really wasn't a story, in my opinion. It was a four-year-old prototype. It, 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 Everybody, I mean... It really I, was, and the comments that I you mentioned... Watched, I watched the thing, and I was like, four years ago, I watched yeah. it live. Not there, but on, on stream. I didn't care. Who cares? It, it really didn't care, and the comments that, that, that Trevor Milton made on stage... We're kind of tongue in cheek a little bit. He put they the were, ropes around it to say, "Hey, I don't want anybody driving off with this yeah, baby." They were, look, he's excited. He's yeah. it's, he's got you know he's got the governor of Utah. He's got all these dignitaries, fleet executives, pumped up, showing this really badass truck. It, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful truck, and and we're talking about a story. It's four years ago. I look. I I won't judge the reporter for come, pulling up this story because they think. Reporters are looking for an angle, and yep. that's what they do. But it, I frankly think Trevor should have ignored it and let it be, and I don't think anyone would have cared. And he didn't need to really address it because when you looked at it, the comments were all pro him anyway. The headline right? was a little bit more sensational yeah. than perhaps it should have been, but I don't think it's worth getting upset over. Now the story, there's the second element, is because he's gone out and attacked the reporter and Bloomberg, um, Basically, we're in a situation where now the story is the story where it could have just died. Do you think Nicola yeah, exactly? Do you think Nicola becomes the face of this sort of anti? We're seeing a lot of anti Robin Hood sentiment coming out of some corners of the finance world, and and Nicola's kind of been embroiled in that. Do you think he becomes sort of the poster boy of the Robin Hood trader? I mean, uh, Hertz is probably the poster boy if there was one. The Hertz offering, but yeah, I mean, like Nicola, Nicola, however you say it, I'm I'm not exactly sure. I've heard it both ways. Yeah, but 
regardless of it, it there is going to be a lot of haters and a lot of people that are trying to understand the stock market and say why is why is this company that's you know effectively pre-revenue uh, or marginally uh, generating revenue why is it valued at at bigger than Ford or bigger than Pat you know at one point had had eclipsed Packard's uh, evaluation so I nat- this is a natural thing but when you go public. And when you're that visible and you're on national media, there's going to be haters. Just yeah, no doubt goes. about it. Yeah, that's and right. I, and, I, and, I, and I would think that that hopefully Trevor will understand that going forward. It's not it's not he takes it personal as any CEO and founder will. But a lot of this is stuff that was no, sort of non consequential as it relates to the story specifically. Uh, I mean, they're going to put out a lot of a lot of information about what they're doing and want to show progress because they're going to have to do that. You team yeah, Badger? Team Badger or Team Cybertruck? I did, I like the Badger. I think it's a bit more... I think it's a prettier truck. Cybertruck's too apocalyptic to me. <laughs> it's going to be in our parking lot <laughs> next year, man. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I am excited to see it on the road. I don't know that it, it feels to me like a Hummer, like a modern version of Hummer. <laughs> and they were cool when they first rolled out. But dude... <laughs> Hummers are not cool today. Yeah, like, no, I saw one the other day, and I'm thinking to myself, "Oh, there's the guy that's still driving a Hummer." That's, like, unless, that's that guy. <laughs> unless you're like, unless you're like, you trip it out and you and you get all the the fixings in a Hummer, they're just not cool. They're not cool. Stretch as it vehicles. out into a limo. Yeah. So I, I'm 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 not a Cybertruck fan. I think the Badger's a really pretty truck. And I look I look I think Nikola has really good designs. They have good technology. Or, or at least good thinking around technology and concepts. And I think you have to look at the Nikola as a concept vehicle back in 2016. It was. It was, absolutely. And who cares who that cares? it was in production? Yeah. I don't think I don't think uh, Trevor should have taken offense to it. But I don't know the context of the conversation. I just know what was printed, and yeah. I certainly don't. I, I like their technology. I like their trucks. I, I agree with you 100%. I also like the way that when he puts out projections – they're fairly conservative comparative. You like to compare them to like Elon, right? I mean, well, everybody's conservative compared to Elon, I guess, in their projections. But he, you know, he doesn't put it, you know, we're going to make a million by this date or whatever. Well, he, he has he's, a credibility, he has a he credibility element he's got to build. So the yeah. thing that he's got to do now is, is he, he's had the luxury of being a privately owned company that's put out, put out dates and no one really is holding him to those dates. Right. Now that he's public, if he puts out dates, he's got he's going to be held accountable for those dates, at least in the early years. Advantage yeah. Elon Musk has is, no, first of all, no one takes him serious on his dates, <laughs> simply because they 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 care about the long term. Yeah, they're focused on that, and they know at some point in the future, Elon Musk will deliver. Trevor Milton does not have that luxury. Right, right now he yeah. has to deliver. Yeah, he hasn't actually delivered trucks, anything. And it has to work yet. in the way that he's right. at least conceptually described, uh, and that all remains to be seen. It's an interesting story. I don't support suing a journalist. I think that is, and and certainly one of the most powerful media organizations, and probably the most powerful organization on Wall Street. Yeah, I, I don't think that's True. a. I, I I think that's a. I just think that's a a, a poor move. Um, but regardless of that. Um, we wish the folks at Nicola a lot of luck <laughs> I do as too, they roll yeah. this out. What's that? I said, I do too. Another great American company. I mean, can't hate on American company. I can't hate on companies that are trying to bring back manufacturing in America, building a plant in, in Arizona like they are. You know, there's 
there's there's nothing but and competition's good too. So any build out in that space, lighting a fire under Elon's butt. We we saw them leak that memo about their semi truck, something that you had been critical about in the past on their delivery date. Um, so hopefully we see we start seeing these things on the road though, right? And if we don't, investors investors may lose confidence. Then we do I, have to. I, I mean, look, I I think they have twelve to twenty four months honeymoon where they they have the opportunity to now they have real capital. They can go ramp up production. They have to put something into motion within the next 20, 12, 24 months. But they have time to do that. Uh, as long as the as long as they continue to move forward, and this this announcement today apparently is moving in that direction. As long as that continues, then I think it will uh, provide some level of support for the stock, um, and uh, we'll see what goes happen. I mean, really, the biggest question is. Once they get the the truck rolling out, what is the total cost of ownership, which is really where a lot of the, the sort of discussion and what's the infrastructure look like for their fueling stations? We don't know those things. Those are yet to be seen. Cool. Yeah, we got to call a Robert. He's the uh, Robert O'Dower. He's the logistics industry principal at Kronos. Out in uh, Argyle, Texas. Let's dial him up. He's going to talk about contact tracing in the supply chain. People trying to bring people back into work. You want to keep them safe. All right. So, Robert Dow, he's a logistics industry principal at Kronos, located in Argyle, Texas. Robert, are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, Good morning. Rob- Thanks for having me. <laughs> hey, thank you. Sorry, we were a couple of minutes late over here. Uh, you, uh, you're a former Longhorn, right? Uh, no, that's uh, UT in Arlington, unfortunately. Oh. But, uh, obviously, I follow the Longhorns. Uh, so, um, went to one of the branch schools, uh, which actually... Didn't even have football. They built a brand new stadium and then canceled their football program a year after they built it. So. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. How you doing, Robert? Mike Vincent, nice to have you on. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> so uh, tell us a little bit about behind uh, what, what made you decide to get into this and, and do this contact tracing capability, build this out and, and kind of how does it work? Can you walk us through that? What, what led you up to it and, and how's it going to work? Sure, uh, I'd be happy to. So, uh, you know, contract tracing, I think it's important to establish because it's somewhat new for obviously a lot of businesses, and a lot of people, a new term, but really it's just a, you know, globally recognized method of identifying and monitoring people and in close contact with someone who is infected. Um, and uh, really, Kronos decided to create it uh, really as a means to aid um, global contact tracing efforts within the workplace, really initially to support uh, central businesses that were open and obviously to ensure a safe return as uh, the workforce uh, employees start to return to the workforce at large. Um, and I think it's also important to keep in mind, too, that the contract tracing tool itself is really just one facet of, you know, a broader strategy uh, to create a safe workplace environment. Um, you know, since the tracing is really a post-incident situation, obviously minimizing potential spread uh, as you look at policies, encourage you know encourage social distancing in your workplace. So having uh, you know a strong workforce management program that helps with uh, optimized scheduling, uh, scheduling you know smaller groups, things like scheduling uh, you know breaks, uh, lunch breaks, spreading them out so you have smaller groups and you have breaks uh, breaks between those, uh, so you can do sanitation and, and cleaning as an example and stuff. So. 
Uh, contract tracing is really the, you know, kind of the post situation versus uh, the initial work you do to prevent the potential uh, community spread within your working. Uh, is is there are there Real any privacy Robert are there any privacy concerns with this like in ter- how is the data collected where is it where is it kept those kind of things you, you know that's uh, always a great question and stuff so the good news is that uh, you know within a workplace it's not HIPAA because that's uh, really medical and patient but PPI personal protected information uh, the data that's in uh, used in our contract uh, contact tracing report it already resides within your Kronos timekeeping system. So it's not anything new. We're not collecting health data about anybody. It's simply taking the punches um, that are already in the system and using those to be able to give you back a report about potential uh, punch spans where people have crossed. So just to give you a quick overview of how it works, essentially, uh, if you have an employee that is reported that they're infected or potentially infected, uh, you simply enter that employee's ID number, so no names or anything, just their ID number, and then the date range and time and location. So if you have a campus with multiple facilities, uh, the location that you want to run the report for, and then it will provide you back a report of every employee ID, again, no names, uh, that worked in that same geographic location, in that same date range, and across that time span. So even if maybe you only, your punches only cross for an hour, you still would be on that report as somebody who potentially could come in contact with that individual. So, so, uh, so the good news so it's is, an in, and then so it's an internal thing, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. And then obviously that's run by HR uh, and then they can begin the process of contacting the uh, individual. So we're not collecting health information. It's, we're not sharing uh, personal protected information whatsoever strictly taking the data that is already in the system and it's just a quick means of accessing that data in a uh, you know condensed fashion that allows you to get all of the individuals that work in there. Uh, obviously the more granular the operation the better so in my prior life I worked at a big box retailer and uh, we scheduled down to the specific work area so we actually knew when an employee worked in the full case pick module and then when they transferred, say, to the less than case pick the tote or maybe a case pick the pallet area. So we knew which areas of the facility they actually worked in and what time they actually moved into those other areas. So you could actually get a very granular look at uh, who the other individuals they work with in those areas and at what time of the day. Cool. Good stuff, Robert. How do people uh, find how do people reach out and learn more? You know, obviously, uh, go to Kronos.com. We also have a a Kronos uh, customer community portal where we have COVID-19 resource information. Uh, But, you know, start with going to Kronos.com and uh, log on. And we've got a lot of information about uh, the COVID-19 resources as well as this uh, contact trace report. I think it's important to also note that that report has been provided free to all our customers. Fantastic. We really appreciate that. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for your time today, Robert. It was it was nice to catch up with him. People trying to get people back to work. Michael Vincent contact tracing seems like it could be a way I, you know, I, I I'm to me, it's sort of like why I won't take a DNA test. I'm always like afraid that that's going to be in some database that someone's going to crack into. You know, I you know, we're in a digital world. Hacking always happens. But uh, that contact tracing thing, I don't know. It makes my tinfoil hat come on. 
I, yeah, <laughs> it did me at first, but the, you know the way I explained it is is really that it, it just it you've got reports of employee movement and so on and so forth within that within that workplace. So like to his point, what he said, it, it's not prevention of the of of the spread. It's it's kind of an after the fact to find out who else potentially was exposed to this right within that work workplace, and it's an internal thing. So they contact the company, and then the company's HR can work through to see who else might be have come in. Contact contact with that person so eric sorta says players become haters if they ain't doing it now they'll be doing it later and he's quoting e40 with that sherry harass she doesn't like the uh, the supply chain queen she does not like the cyber truck she said it's too mad max for her uh yeah i don't think i would get a cyber truck if i'm single i'm a dad with two kids so i don't have to worry about you know showing up <laughs> on a date with my cyber truck <laughs> you're not yeah, yeah yeah absolutely no you're in a perfect position to get one You've got a down payment on one, don't you? I do. Hundred bucks. Hey, it's Randy. There you go. Oh no, it's not, he's, he hasn't picked up. We're talking, calling Randy Hudson now. He's a freight broker coach. Yeah. He's going to be doing a play it forward for us with his axe. He's going to play us a little, uh, a little lick. Hey, Randy, what's up, man? It's Dooner and the dude. I want the truck. What's happening? <laughs> what's happening with hey, you? It's going down, Randy. Oh, you know, just a little uh, freight brokering and stuff like that. How about you guys? We're uh, we're getting through an episode of What the Truck over here. It's a beautiful day in Chattanooga, and then uh, we got to take off for uh, for Father's Day, get some things done over there. But you're the freight broker coach. Absolutely. You are in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, and one of the reasons you came on was to do one of our play it forward things. Uh, do you got your guitar with you? Uh, I do. I wasn't sure what you wanted, but I've got one in my hand. So, all right, we we, we Randy, we want you to melt some faces, yeah, man. bro. Melt, That's what melt we need. Melt some face, man. Just just give us your uh, <laughs> give us your routine. Give us my your routine. Give us like right, 60, well. 90 seconds. Just just give us some licks. Okay. We can do that. So I don't know if you can you hear that? Oh yeah. That was beautiful, man. It's Randy Hudson. Uh-huh. Won the truck. <laughs> that was sweet. Yeah, yeah. man. I was, uh, I was Jones and I have my bass in my hands right there. We could have, we could have, oh, yeah, that. that was pretty good, man. Well, here's the thing. Absolutely. So, so, so Randy, one of the things we're trying to do here is, uh, is we, we've had a bunch of different musicians come on and, and they've kind of informally played their instruments and, 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 uh, Michael Vincent and I are like, well, you know, we should kind of make a virtual jug band. So we're going to just play it forward. We're having some guys play on, uh, we're going to guys and girls see, see what they can do, see their capabilities. And then I'll lay it, then it cut a track, you know, at the, at the end of all of this and see how it comes out. Awesome. Yeah, well, like I think fun. we're going to have to be sending a jam track out to you, brother, to lay some of that blues on top of there. That was pretty sweet. What kind of acts are you I playing would, there, Randy? I would love to throw it down. Uh, that was actually my SG. I've got a Gibson 335 that I use a lot. Uh, an SG that I play a lot of slide on and then acoustics, and I've got a Tom Anderson also that I use. So, But that was an SG. Sweet, 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 sweet. So you are you are uh, you are the uh, freight brokerage coach, right? Yeah. So you're coaching people, et cetera, right? So 
Uh, <laughs> what are you coaching people on? Which, which, which he, he is, but you, we, so what do you, what do you do? What are you coaching people on exactly? And also which sports coach would you most compare yourself to? Which sports coach would I compare myself to? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I don't know if I compare myself so much, but obviously I'm in the uh, Texas area. And I grew up with Tom Landry and I've always respected him a lot. Very winning guy. I don't know if anybody here knows who Tom Landry was. Sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, Absolutely do. And uh, so any, any of the uh, the guys around here, I really like Rick Carlisle with the Mavericks right now. I think he's a great coach. Uh, and, and he patterns a lot of leadership that I like, uh, as well as Cuban, the owner, of course, is uh, very vocal and active. Uh, I like to follow him as well. So. I think that what we were trying to glean yeah, from that question, yeah. that was one of those like road shark tests, right? That was like, it was. do you see yourself <laughs> as like a Phil Jackson? Are you a, a reader, a philosopher? You do you give your freight broker students a book or are you the guy who just hammers into them? Are you, are you steely cold like Bill Belichick and people just follow no. your lead? Cause you're effing awesome. Like what, what is it, man? Well, so when I work with people, I work with them on mindset. I think everybody has to have their own voice. And if you just try to teach somebody anything and, by laying down these are the ways to do it with a template that doesn't always work out as great as uh, teaching things that they can then adapt to their own uh, their own voice. So, you know, you work with sales scripts or whatever, that's fine to kind of get a handle on, on what you're going to say. But I've found, in my experience, everybody has to adapt that to their own personality uh, to be successful. And, and the coaching thing is really an old idea that I, I kind of just came up with. So it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit new. Uh, I actually thought about doing this many years ago and registered the domain and, and did a logo and all that. And then with my regular brokering business, I'm still an active broker, uh, moving freight every day. And, uh, and with that, I just never really found the time to put a program together. So I've had people come to me and I help them casually and I help them here and there. I've started a sub agent thing where I help people out that way a little bit, let them learn underneath me, uh, as an agent. Most of my experience in the brokerage business has been all agent based. So it's all the model of, of, of an agent working independently from the home office, that kind of thing. And so that's what I work with people on. So that's what my expertise is. And so with the coaching thing, uh, throughout the, the shutdown here that we've had, I found myself with a little extra time. And so this old idea kind of came back to me. And I kept getting more and more requests for it. And so I decided to formalize the training program. And so we have recently launched. Uh, the freight broker coach. And so that, that's going to build into my sub agent program as well. And so what I'm doing is I'm writing a online training that has the basics in it, but then offering some ongoing things after that mentorship after that. Uh, I also see people go through trainings and try to get started and still be lost. Uh, there's so many people trying to do it that way. I, I get calls from people. I just got my authority. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> hey, man, uh, you, you, called out, you called out a pitch on, on LinkedIn, and you said it was a bot, but I'm not convinced it was a bot. So here was the pitch for people not familiar. It says, hi, Randy, your experience as a guitarist at Unity Church of Dallas stood out to me when I came across your profile on LinkedIn. <laughs> We're hiring at an uh, unnamed place, and, and I think you would be a great fit for the freight broker role. Would you be willing to connect for a brief chat about this opportunity? Looking forward to hearing from you. So you just don't believe that this guy wants to start like a freight broker jug band and your, uh, your ability to play guitar is an asset to hiring you? Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe in my uh, advanced years, I'm getting cynical. I don't know. But no, it did not come across that way at all. <laughs> it came across as a stupid-ass bot 
that didn't know what it was doing pulling information from my profile, and uh, that's what it came across to me. I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> You'd be a great mortgage broker. You'd be a great broker. We've got uh, we've got so you know, while, that, was, that was very interesting. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We can uh, you can you can sing and play uh, while you're setting up a carrier. Uh, I'm not sure how all that works with my database, but we'll we'll work it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, Randy, what's a mistake that you uh, see all too often uh, and find yourself correcting when you're when you're coaching people? What's what's one of the mistakes? Give us give us something that you're coaching all the time trying to correct. Well, well I think starting out is uh, is just uh, expectations is managing your expectations and not getting too carried away with the stuff you find on YouTube. Huh? You think, uh, oh, there's so you some think great there's... information out there. There's some... You think there's a lot of like YouTube brokers out there, like people who go up and they're like, oh, I can be a broker. I watched, uh, you know, I watched a video from someone in like Port St. Lucie or something. And then that that's informed right. me enough that I can go do it. <laughs> there is some of that. Uh, there's a lot of that. I There's some great information out there for free on YouTube in different places. There's some great people that know their business that put out free content. You, you guys, this stuff is great. There's a lot of people that do that that you can learn from. But as you mentioned, there's also some people that, that you shouldn't listen to. And so I just I just had a, a call from a guy recently that had already gotten his authority, had no tr- previous training or experience, got his authority, had everything set up, and had no idea what to do. And so I'm helping him a little bit along the way and trying to, to kind of give him some background in it. And he, he at one point says, man, after watching all this stuff on YouTube, I thought I could make $300,000 my first year. <laughs> It's and, like this, uh, work I mean, from home, work from home, and make ninety thousand yeah. dollars, right? With passive income, yeah, you don't right. have to do anything. Yeah. Just recruit some other right. agents. Sure, <laughs> just get your name out there, and you'll be fine. Yeah, recruit some other agents. I see all these new people. I, I actually just recently joined a couple of groups on Facebook for the first time, as far as brokerage groups. And uh, oh my gosh, that's that's where you can find a lot of that. You know, uh, I just got my NC, and I'm looking for successful brokers with a book of business to come aboard. Well, of course you are. So is every other multi-million, billion-dollar corporation that has agents, that already has a program set up, that already has everything going. So, so I think the expectations up front is what some people get confused about coming into this business. Not everybody can do it. I always say it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. And yeah. it may not be for everyone, but it can be for anyone. But it takes doing the work. And if people that apply themselves and do the work can be very successful in this. I've been doing it for a lot of years. And it supported me very well. And I've seen it support my friends very well. But if you don't manage your expectations and really know what you're getting into, uh, you know, if you have to have a, a, a money right away, if you have to earn an instant income, I tell people to get a job and get and get trained that way. That's the first thing I tell them. Uh, but if, if they're ready to go off on their own and do something, then, you know, I work with them on, on, on everything, on sales, on carriers, on uh, negotiating, on carrier selection, you know, soup to nuts because that's that's my model is the do everything broker not the i'm a sales rep and you have operations doing large enterprise 3pls is not something that i've i've been a part of necessarily i've been more a part of the the agents that get started uh you know an agency business can build as as large as it wants to be as well so that's really my model and that's what i'm best at and so that's what i help people do my sub agent thing is to help those that have maybe had some experience uh, they don't have a book of business yet, and they're having trouble getting on with an agent. And so I bring them in as a sub-agent and help them learn under me while I can guide them and keep them out of trouble. Because, you know, again, startups, a lot of times their their problems are that they make mistakes that they can't correct. 
Well, they made mistakes that cost them business, you know, put them out of business. Randy, we're, we're running out of time, but you did a great job and you've passed the audition. You can play in our jug band anytime. But in the meantime, <laughs> how do people reach out and learn more about you? Well, they can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Randy Hudson TX. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. My website is thefreightbrokercoach.com. I also have a website, LDIDFW, for my brokerage business. And uh, you can reach out to me on any of those platforms. And I will be, I've also got a Freightbook, uh, uh, Freight Rover Coach Facebook page that you can join. And so all of those different ways will get you to me. Wow. Hey, Randy, thank you very much for joining us today. Appreciate you having me, man. It's been fun. Thanks, Randy. Keep rocking, man. Who do we got up next? Ooh, who do we have up next? We've got uh, Dylan Williams. Dylan Williams, uh, Walmart team at the Kraft Heinz Company, frozen business unit location, right? That ought to be interesting. Are you dialing him right now? Yeah, dialing him up right now. I imagine right, it's got to cool. be, uh, I mean, all we heard about the pandemic, you know, was was the, the rush and the supply chain stockouts at places like Walmart. I imagine managing a, a giant account like yeah. that's got to be got to be pretty fascinating. Dylan Williams, Hello, you on the line Dylan. with us? Hey, Dylan, this is Dooner and the Dooner. What the truck? Hey, you guys. How's it going? Hey, Dylan, how are you? Doing pretty good. How are you guys? You are a uh, you're an interesting cat. You are a uh, you're a logistician, but you're also a DJ who weddings and who does weddings and sometimes sings happy birthday and, and other songs. Uh, how do those two work together? Yeah, I mean, right now we're kind of in the midst of wedding season. I mean, June is the month to get married. So not only am I kind of embracing um, this coronavirus um, kind of shipping kind of this mass amount of product around the United States. I'm also DJing weddings, uh, celebrating um, all kinds of life um, experiences. So, Are people still having weddings? Or are, I, I, A lot of my friends actually, can't, a couple of my friends who are going to get married this year already canceled because they knew a lot of people had to travel. But where you are, are you seeing, like you're in Fayetteville, Arkansas, are you seeing a lot of people, are people still getting uh, married all over the place there? And what, what do those ceremonies look like these days? Yeah, so they're definitely changing. Um, some are changing to being super small, and some are just kind of embracing and moving forward. Um, one wedding I did two weeks ago had six guests and 15 in total, um, and it was supposed to be like a, a huge wedding. Um, but it was still a party. We still had a great time. We still celebrated the, the union of, of two families. Um, and then the one last weekend, it was um, a lot of people there. So. Nice. So, hey, Dylan, you know, one of the things that we do here is, you know, you're a DJ and a singer, right? So uh, imagine you don't have your DJ equipment sitting right there in front of you. So <laughs> can you can you get can you you got it? You got a choice here because I know you're also a Razorback. So how about either a little bit of uh, give us a little song here or give us your bag, your best pig suey. Oh, man, I haven't called the hogs in a minute. We were <laughs> supposed to go to the College World Series in baseball. Uh, we're supposed to be there right now in Omaha. So I can give you uh, the best blue pig suey fright wave has ever seen. Do it, man. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's go. Those hogs. Pig suey. Pig suey. Pig suey. Razorback. Pig. 
Patrick Suey. And I bet, I bet in Fayetteville, when you just start, like in Boston, in downtown Boston, there's like, if you're near Fenway Park, you can just be like, go socks or like F the Yankees or something like that. And no one's going to look twice. So I imagine you just yelling pig suey. Uh, no one's going to be like, hey, what's wrong with Dylan? They're just like, ah, oh, he's excited about, about Razorback. Sports. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Woo pig, baby. Woo pig. <laughs> well, now, you, now you're remixing that the supply. Awesome. Now you're remixing the supply chain over at Kraft Heinz, uh, doing that. Well, well, a huge account. What goes into managing that? What do you What do you do over there? So yeah, uh, I'm on the Walmart team at Kraft Heinz, and I manage our frozen foods account. So I've got brands like Cool Whip, Alrighty Potatoes, TGI Appetizers, uh, Smart One Meals, and I manage the supply chain aspect. So we've got a sales lead that sells in some initiatives, um, and then I go and support it. So if you think of Cool Whip, we've got July 4th coming up. So that's a big time for Cool Whip, for, I guess, celebration, pies. So I'm making sure that we have that inventory for the shopper at Walmart across the nation. Nice. So, hey, Dylan, can you can you uh, I mean, it's got to been a very, very difficult job. So the workload, how's it been since the pan, you know, since the, the start of the pandemic? How was it during the pandemic? It had to have been absolutely insane. Yeah. As soon as it hit, it's like, I mean, constantly checking your inventory, because I mean, that, that's my number one job is to make sure Walmart is in stock with our product. So as soon as this wave of uh, craziness hit, it's like we're all out of stock. So we had to go all the way up to production, to our raw materials, and get back in stock. So it was just like constant. I mean, I don't want to say 24 hours, but it was, it was I mean, that this is my number one priority. is to feed America of Cool Whip and TGI appetizers. <laughs> hey, 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 we appreciate it. I love me some Cool Whip. Hey. How, how's, how's it going right now? What's the volumes look like right now? What are you seeing? Well, right now we're doing better. We're, we're getting back in stock. Uh, we, we've done a lot of work. Uh, behind the scenes to make some magic happen um, and, and certainly prioritizing Walmart. Um, they're our number one customer. So we want to make sure that they are in stock first. So, um, so yeah, there, there's just a lot that goes behind um, getting the materials to production, to getting it on the road. Um, and I'm just going to put, put a plug out here and say thank you to all the truck drivers out there. Cause yeah. you guys really help help with my job. So Amen. Little Amen. A little noise complaint for the uh, for the truckers. Uh, question for you, man. I saw a picture on your LinkedIn. You commented on one. I don't know if it was in your lot or not, but the Wienermobile was there. I'm not sure if you're the one who took that picture. Have you been able to ride in the Wienermobile, and how does that thing handle? Oh, man. I, I've seen the Wienermobile so many times. I've gone to some Walmart events uh, where the Wienermobile was promoting, um, but I haven't actually gotten to ride in it. Um, so if you guys are familiar with TikTok, <laughs> There's a guy that that was like the Wiener Mobile guy, and he had this I don't know six month uh, page of being like a day in the life. So if you want to check him out um, and see what it's like to be day in the life of a Wiener Mobile guy, I mean, check it out. <laughs> Sounds you, like a, pot- a potential future guest, Dooner. Did, did you know that there's 11 active Wienermobiles? There's not just one. It's sort of like Shamu. Like when I was a kid, my world was shattered when I found out there was more than one Shamu. I did, they didn't just move them back and forth between San Diego and Florida. Well, same thing with the Wienermobile. There's six of these damn things. Uh, there's, there's, there's a ton of them. Yeah, there's even a drone now. There's a Wiener Cycle. There's a Wiener Drone, a Wiener Rover, and even a Wiener Mini. They I had a Wiener so Whistle, flag. a Weenie Whistle. <laughs> Little the little ring. <laughs> they also got a uh, peanut mobile. They got multiples of those too. 
I need a vehicle shaped like like some food. Remember when Red Bull used to put the cans on top of people's cars? I haven't seen a Red Bull car in a long time, man. You can have a soup mobile. How I need about my a hamburger car. Dinner? All right, just so like a, I don't know how that would work. Hey, man, how do uh, how do people connect with you on on LinkedIn and, and continue the conversation with you? Yeah, check me out on LinkedIn. I'm Dylan Williams. I, I'll uh, accept your follow. Uh, if you also like some some DJ stuff, I'm also on Instagram, uh, DJ Sly Arkansas. So you can check me out there. Cool. Thanks for joining us today, Dylan. We really appreciate it. It's a good time having Dylan on here. Emily Zink says she says, "Oh my God, she loves Arkansas baseball fans. Oh, just the the fans specifically." She says Omaha loves them too. Interesting. I wonder why that would be. Why do you <laughs> think that is? They don't. They're not like fans of the team. They're fans of the fans. Oh yeah, and of baseball specifically, just the baseball fans. Oh yeah, just the baseball. <laughs> yeah, you have those those football and basketball fans. They're 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 too like much. Those. They're too much. To, you can't bring them anywhere. <laughs> I don't know anything about you guys. I'm not talking anything. I'm not. Hey, Sherry says you can apply that advice across many domains. Good stuff. He was. She's talking about uh, what Randy, the freight broker coach, was talking about in terms of um, Red Ross. He told me here to call his landline, which I'm dialing for. He said as a backup, dial his cell phone. So we may have to hit him over here. But oh, is that right Hello. here? We are not available now. No. Nope. Please leave your name and phone number. Okay, hold on a second. You tell them about That's who this gentleman bot. is, and I will get his. I'll get his other line dialed that, up. <laughs> that was that was that was a bot. So he's CEO at uh, Deuce Drone, uh, out of Mobile, Alabama. Deuce Drone, uh, specializing in drone for deliveries, lowering costs for deliveries, final mile, that type of stuff. And um, yeah, so apparently uh, he's got some good news here that uh, about uh, you know. Drones have wings. Yeah. Peter. Did you know that? Well, yeah, I mean, but now they have buffalo wings, I think. Right, Rhett Ross? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, drones you know, have wings. I asked, Kevin Hill that, I asked Kevin Hill that question yesterday on Midday Market Update. I had no idea what I was talking about. Do drones have wings? They absolutely do, and Rhett Ross is going to tell us all about it. <laughs> well, first, tell us a bit about what Drews don't, what Drews, Deuce, why, why, I can't even speak right now, why Deuce, what Deuce drone is. This drone is a company that is working on last-mile package delivery, delivery from places like Buffalo Wild Wings, your local grocery store, um, any retailer in your area, using small drones to carry the packages and drop them uh, literally at your doorstep, whether your business's doorstep or your home. That's awesome. So, hey, congratulations on uh, the news of your partnership there. And I understand you'll be doing the demo uh, at the franchise in Mobile, Alabama, Buffalo Wild Wings at the the, the sports bar there at the end of August, I guess, of of this year. Uh, What's that event look like? How does that look like? Well, we're we're actually working with Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, the local franchisee. Um, They live or they have a neighborhood right behind them. So uh, we'll be working with some of the people in that neighborhood. To actually have the drone pick up from Buffalo Wild Wings, order just whatever you want, um, and uh, hopefully they're going to order wings. Uh, and then we're going to fly them up, over, past trees, past houses, and everything else, and drop them off at their doorstep. Um, and that's one of the phases that we have to go through to, to show our capabilities that the drones can fly autonomously um, or in an automated fashion, avoid. Uh, barriers, avoid the confusion of different houses and, and getting it to the right place. 
Hey, I did some math, you know, because these deliver these are delivering wings, and I was like, how much does a buffalo wing weigh? So a buffalo wing weighs, according to Google, about three point five ounces. These drones, it says on your press release, they have a payload of around fifteen pounds. So by my calculation, you could deliver sixty five ish wings, maybe a little less if you had some blue cheese and, and ranch going along with that. Uh, is that about accurate? Uh, well, I hadn't done the math on per wing, so thank you. I'm going to use that future, but. That's absolutely accurate. So whether you ordered 65 wings or you ordered uh, two dozen wings and then drinks and, and or uh, french fries or other things, but that's what you're going to get. That's interesting. So I imagine, so your waiter is not, you know, you're know, you not ordering online and then your waiter has got some joysticks moving this, moving this, this, this drone <laughs> over to your house. You said you, you're doing, you're doing it through automation uh, and it has to avoid all these barriers and all that other kind of stuff. So once it gets to the house, what, what occurs? How does that, that interaction, that delivery uh, take place? How, do, how does that work? Uh, well, when you sign up for the service, um, much like if you've ever had satellite TV or something else, um, you'll go out and, and look in your yard, your front yard, your backyard, for an area that's kind of tree-free, uh, power line-free, and that sort of thing. And you're, you'll have your phone with you. You'll push a button on your phone that says deliver here. That gives us uh, GPS coordinates that are pretty accurate. Um, but to make sure we always get it to you in exactly where you want, um, we'll send you a map that has a customer-specific code, your DDCI code, as we're calling it, um, that the drone will be able to pick up with its um, vision system and say, yes, that is exactly dinner or the dude. <laughs> and say, that's where I'm supposed to drop my uh, set of wings. See, he's asking. Um, he was worried he has to tip this thing. Uh, no tip. <laughs> One of the great things. You, you just stand back, let the drone land it's going to leave the package and take off and you're going to have your wings your drinks and everything else that you walk in the house the neat thing about this is the drones we're using fly up to 40 miles an hour so that's uh, about 0.6 miles a minute so when you think about this um your drone's going to come hot out of the oven or fryer um be loaded on the on the drone within a few minutes of that and depending upon how far away you are, but when you think about that, that's as the crow flies. So we view our typical delivery is kind of going to be a four to five mile range from typical uh, restaurants around communities. You're going to be getting your stuff in three, four, five minutes. That's pretty sweet. I guess the only thing, Dooner, is I really you need to make sure that when you press that button, don't do it in your house and go, oh, rats, I should have been on, on the front porch, right? It's on your roof, right? <laughs> or trying to break through your I was going to ask if this thing has any, like, defenses. <laughs> like, what if neighborhood kids start taking slingshots out or, you know, BB guns or rocks or something at these things? Well, that's, that's always a worry. And as I say, it's a, it's a human in us that can always mess something up. Um, but the system is going to have a series of... of um, uh, not defenses. We're we're not going to be carrying our own slingshots or anything, but we will be able to sense um, trees. We'll be able to sense power lines. Um, if your dog were to try and run out over the the landing area, the drone will stop and and reascend. Um, our goal, one of our primary goals in doing this, is to ensure the safety of the public and the consumers that are going to use the service. So a lot of our work is is aimed at those components, um, drones flying and carrying a package actually is pretty easy. 
it's the rest of it that makes it a little bit more difficult. So uh, you guys uh, read our, you don't produce your own drones. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct. We're, we're focusing on the automation of the drone. We're focusing on um, how to uh, get packages from the retail floor, from the restaurant floor up to the roof so that the drone can pick it up safely and easily. Um, there are a lot of very good companies, many here in North America, the United States, um, some overseas, that are doing all of the drone work. So we, we don't need to have our own drone. We'd rather work with those companies. Uh, to tailor their already available technology to our needs. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, not that my opinion matters, but I kind of agree with that philosophy. Don't build the hardware, build the, build the software and the automation. Yeah. But it looks like, it looks like, uh, you know, it looks like that gets valued higher by the stock market these days too. I know that you've got some experience in fuel cells and hydrogen. What did you think about Nikola and their entry into the public market? Uh, I think that stuff is, is coming. I mean, it's, it's getting a lot of traction. Um, whether it's batteries or hydrogen, um, it's, it's not so much about the vehicles anymore. That stuff works. It's all about the infrastructure. It's about building up the charging stations along the highways um, or in the cities or building up um, hydrogen production and refueling stations in the same places. Um, so for me... The technology is there. It's about infrastructure. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point. And I think that's one of the challenges that anybody trying to deploy, a, uh, especially a new system like that, is going to face. Um, we were talking about earlier, we, I wish them luck. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're lucky. To, so you're in Mobile, Alabama, right? Our last guest yes. was a Razorback. So good thing you didn't have to hear him do his pig sueys. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to put it in perspective, I'm in Mobile, Alabama, the home of, of Alabama, you know, Alabama Crimson Tide, but I'm a Gator. So just imagine what oh. I go every day. Oh, man, you got to be in hiding. It's like uh, being a Jets fan in Boston or something. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, man. Or an Ohio people, State um, fan in Chattanooga. Oh, yeah. Well, that, or, yeah, you get trolled by your own creative team over here. <laughs> oh, yeah, constantly. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, man, how do people uh, reach out and learn more about Deuce Drone? Well, there's two places they can go to uh, com, or we are um, in our second round of fundraising, which we're managing through Net Capital. Um, so if you're interested in that, there's even more information there, but it's www.netcapital.com. And uh, just uh, click on Deuce Drone on that site, and that'll take you to a lot of information and the opportunity to invest if you want to. Nice. Hey, we really appreciate your time today. And hey, good luck with that uh, with that Buffalo Wild Wing launch at the end of August, man. Take it easy. Thank Thanks, you. Red. Appreciate the time. Wow. What, what do you like, man? Do you go with a blue cheese or do you go with the ranch on your Buffalo Wings? I, I'm a ranch guy. I'm a, I'm a ranch guy. I like my blue cheese, but I like it on salads. I, I go with the ranch on the, on the wings. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. How's about news and good news? Oh, Emily Zink has answered. She said, "She said Omaha, she loves them because of the College World Series. That's uh, that is why Omla loves college baseball. So there you go. Oh, okay. It yeah. wasn't specifically Arkansas baseball fans. They love college baseball. Yes, that that's what it is. So, gotcha. All right, <laughs> got it. I'm Bat- glad we got that cleared up for our audience. Uh, Eric Serta says blue cheese with the chunks. He probably likes it moldy as as all get out. All right, bad news. A man is buried under refuse in the back of a semi truck trailer, according to." 
According to CDL Life, a man was reported to be buried inside of a 52-foot dump truck-style trailer at 4.52 p.m. the other day in New Victoria, Nova Scotia. The incident happened as debris from a demolished home, get this, debris from a demolished home at the corner of Browns Road were being loaded into the back of a McDonald trucking trailer. The operator of the excavator on site didn't know that somebody was inside the trailer, so he starts dumping all the concrete and all the uh, all these fragments on him, trapping him inside. Good news, though. Uh, the- <laughs> The, go good, the go good news is the fire department found the man alive uh, to free him. They had to cut a hole in the side of the trailer and get him out through that. He remained conscious and was transported to Cape Britain Regional Hospital. Uh, but you know what, man? You got to you got to make sure there's no one in that trailer before you dump the debris in there. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> what was the guy doing in that trailer? I mean, or the dumpster. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And I didn't know McDonald's had 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 a trucking car. Is it a McDump truck? Is that what that is? Or am I thinking of a different McDonald's? You're, you're just thinking about vehicles that are shaped like food. Yeah, that's what it was. That's why you did that to me. Thank you so much. So hey, here's a little bit of bad news, Dooner. You're 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 out and about and, and, and you really you there's this impending situation in your bladder. Yeah. Right. And, 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 it's, and but you don't want to go into a public restroom. Yeah, because you're, you're you know, you don't want to contract COVID. Right. It's a it, I guess it's a breeding ground, but you're you're nervous about going in there. Right. So there's your bad news. Yeah. I drank a big I think gulp. This, hap- this happened to you yesterday, didn't it? Yeah. I was drinking the big gulp. Right. And then I was, once I got to the bottom, you hear that rattling of the ice cubes and I had to go to the restroom. Yeah, that's what that's what happens. That's what happens. So according to Crane's Chicago business, uh, disposable urinal bags have been seeing an increase in popularity and demand in recent weeks. Did you get yours yet, Dooner? <laughs> no, I, I, I never even heard of these things before until now. It, oh, I, would, I was reading this and I was thinking of myself, the old stadium buddy. So uh, that's according to data from uh, <laughs> Profiterio, an e-commerce analytics firm, uh, which found that the Amazon search rank for Travel John disposable urinal bags has increased five times between May 2nd and June 6th. As consumers begin to travel again following pandemic-related lockdowns, they remain leery of public restrooms, urinal bags, which use chemicals to turn liquid into an odorless solid, and then it can be thrown away into a trash can at a later at a later time, Dooner. So wow. it's something you might want to look into. What is but the yeah, end there result? used to be stadium buddies, bro. You could you just you strapped it on and it set in your pant leg so you didn't have to leave your seat during a football game uh, yeah like the wizenator right well the, the wizenator was to pass the drug tests that yeah that was that was a nefarious design that one was that <laughs> the stadium buddy though was so you didn't miss the the next big play wait so what does the end result look like it's like a bag of sand or something like a bag of clay I, how does it work i, I guess I, I think they they just took a plastic bag and threw some of that clumping cat litter in it or something i don't know <laughs> All right. Well, here's here's good news. You figured out uh, an elaborate reverse supply chain return scheme. So this guy, Michael Chavez, 40 years old of East Providence, Rhode Island. He's the former owner of the auto transport company Cat Transportation. It uh, opened approximately 30 Amazon customer accounts using various names and email addresses. And here's what he does. Over a three-year period, prosecutors claim he placed nearly 10,800 orders, totaling $714,000. But here's then then he kept the items instead of returning the items where he put used parts in the boxes. And uh, he, he sent them back for a refund of more than $640,000. Like, great scheme, right? He's got it all figured out over there in Rhode Island. Yeah, he's got, he, yeah. Uh, yeah. Then the dragnet came for him. Bad news. The sentence, including the word prosecutors, may have tipped you off. You got busted. 
busted. In some cases, Chavez would replace original items with those of similar weight, including a commercial truck tire and thousands of truck parts. Instead of returning the tire, he sent back two pieces of wood in the Amazon box. Other examples include ordering a vehicle suspension. Uh, I was talking to Clarissa Hawes. She didn't even include some of the other stuff like ear pods and uh, and twinkly lights and a lawnmower. He was this guy was in it to win it. Yeah, anything that would simulate the weight, right, and fit inside that box is what he was sending back. And he got busted right in the middle of his seed round of capital funding for this new business. I can't believe it. Too many many moving parts in that scheme. (laughs) A lot, a lot. More good news, man. Our kids are going to stop bugging us this Tuesday. This Tuesday, your kids were going to stop bugging you, Dooner. And I'll tell you why, because Trolls World Tour is finally available for purchase. What do you think about that? I think it's good. Am I going to have to pay nineteen ninety nine again for it? No, well, there, there it is. There's, there's the bad news. It's nineteen ninety nine again, and you don't even get credit for renting it the first time around, like I did. Hey, there's a cool story behind Trolls World Tour, though. It sparked this huge feud between AMC and Universal. Uh, this morning, AMC was getting pounced on on Twitter after Variety reported that AMC won't make you wear masks because, and this is a quote from them, they don't want to be drawn into a political controversy, which in turn drew them into a political controversy. What's perplexing, though, is that the health official that they advertise as their advisor is his pinned tweet on Twitter is recommending that they wear masks. I don't know. Welcome to 2020, Vincent. Like it were yeah. the upside down. <laughs> Nothing makes sense. Uh, it's a vicious circle of stupidity. Dooner is what it is. I, don't just, I always say a person is smart. People are stupid. This is, this is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> it's going back. For, I don't know. Hey, we're not, uh, we're, we're, we're not, you, if you come in, we're no masks and you can get your COVID. We're going to get people in like crazy. Oh, and by the way, our advertiser is one that actually promotes masks. So well, their advisor, it's their medical it. advisor is the one who's promoting masks. It's his pin tweet. <laughs> and then AMC is ever they're, they're putting on their own sheet that says AMC clean and safe that they were advised by this guy. But their messaging is, no, we don't need to wear a mask because we don't want to upset people of certain political affiliations. <laughs> OK, I, I, yeah. I don't I don't understand. <laughs> it, it is ridiculous, Dooner. I'm of the mind that carry a mask. And use the mask, especially if you go into a place, uh, you know, that 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 wants you to. It's not the law, but you you really should. You really should. Well, I'm Team Universal now. I'm going to support their their VOD and I'm going to get Trolls World Tour for my kids. So they they stop bugging me and and uh, I don't have to go to AMC with their confusing messages. You can you can continue the conversation with us at Timothy Dooner on the Twitter. That's D-O-O-N-E-R or look me up on LinkedIn. That's Michael Vincent, the dude. Look him up on Twitter. Look him up on LinkedIn. Subscribe to Freight Waves on Freightcast. You get every single Freight Waves podcast, including the Midday Morning Update or the Midday Market Update. Midday Morning Update doesn't even make sense. Midday Morning no, I really evening don't. Update. Yeah, it just does not make sense. <laughs> That's at noon Eastern time. Peace and love, everybody. Happy Father's Day weekend. Happy Father's Day. Little cowbell for your daddy. All right. Take it easy.